Eagles Entertainment. Everything that move. I don't care who it is. Let's go. Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. Touchdown! You are listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Fran Duffy. That's right. Another day. We're breaking down the tape of a loss as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 482. At the top of today's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with Greg Cosell from NFL Films to talk about what went right and what went wrong in the loss against the New York Jets in week six. Who on defense continues to shine? We're going to talk through that as well. Before we get into our Sunday night football preview against the Miami Dolphins, a lot to chew on for that matchup coming up at Lincoln financial field this week. Now, before we get there, a couple things I want to make sure we hit on. As always, head over to Apple Podcasts, rate, review, subscribe. You know the spiel by now. Also, be sure to check out the All-22 Review, a bunch of the plays that Greg and I break down here tonight in this podcast. I break down from a video side over in the All-22 Review. So you want to go make sure you check that out on the Eagles YouTube page. That'll be this week on on the Eagles YouTube page. Uh, As always, jumping in on a handful of those breakdowns. Now, that said, let's get into it with Greg. It's time now for Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. All right, time to welcome in a guy that needs no introduction, and we're going to do something that, Greg, we have not done too often over the last couple of years, and that's talk about an Eagles loss uh, in the regular season. Certainly one where they're quarterbacked by Jalen Hurts. Uh, The Eagles go on the road. They lose to the New York Jets, uh, their first loss ever to the New York Jets in the history of the NFL. Uh, For as long as film has existed, Greg, the Eagles Eagles have never lost to the New York Jets until this past week. So uh, as you went through the film, uh, what was it like watching history made uh, as you went Ah. went through it at, at NFL Films on Monday? I wasn't really thinking of it in those terms, as you can probably imagine, Fran. <laughs> I don't think um, many of us were. Uh, no, yeah, I, it, I don't think that was the case. Now, that said, um, a lot to take away, uh, some good and certainly some bad as well. Uh, let's go through the Eagles offense against the Jets defense, where, look, uh, to me, like the, the story of this game was the, the Jets defensive front. Uh, they yeah. just beat up this Eagles offensive line and got to Jalen Hurts too often, and it ultimately impacted the outcome of this game. Well, not only... Do we not speak about the Eagles losing to the Jets, but we rarely ever speak about uh, a game where the Eagles offensive line got handled a bit and that that just does not happen. We know that, you know, I've said a number of times that I believe they have the best O-line, D-line combination in football. One game does not change that. I mean, we we know we live in a world where everybody makes these these bold statements after, you know, each week of the NFL. Um, but this was a, a game where we knew, that, and we talked about this last week in the lead up to this game, our preview, that the Jets' defensive front was really good. I think I might have said they're as good as the Eagles' defensive front with the same kind of depth. And that clearly showed up. And obviously losing Lane Johnson on the first possession uh, did not help the situation. Uh, no disrespect to Jack Driscoll, but he's not Lane Johnson, who's the best right tackle in the game and has been for a number of years. Um and it sort of changed, I think, the the way the game was played. Um, and sometimes it's hard to make that kind of adjustment in the middle of a game when you go in with a specific plan and then a key player gets hurt. You know, you and I both know it's not that easy, despite what fans might think. Um, and even other players on the O-line did not have their best game. And this was clearly a game in which the Eagles offensive line was was, was not the better of the of the units uh, uh, versus the the opposition's D-line. 
Yeah, and like you said, you know, it wasn't just look. Jack Driscoll did not have a great game. Obviously, you know, whether it was run game or pass game, uh, did not have a, a great performance. That said, uh, you know, it wasn't just like oh, it was just Jack Driscoll. You know, Jordan Mailata gave up his share of hurries. Uh, he did. And, you know, also was an issue a little bit in the run game at times. Uh, Landon Dickerson, you know, same deal. So Opeta uh, did not have a stronger game in this game as he did against the LA Rams, and not having Lane next to him, that's a, that's a, going to have an impact on him as well. Yeah, it was across the board. There's no question about it. It was yeah. overall, there's no, you know, Dr- Driscoll for fans will be the easy one to point the finger at. And and clearly he did not have a great game and had some bad snaps. No question. Um, playing against really, really good players. Yeah. Um, but it was not just Jack Driscoll by any means. It was just one of those games. The unit as a whole just did not have a particularly good game. And it caught up with them as the game progressed. You know, and I think it's also important to note that it wasn't just pass game either because the Eagles could not get the run game going uh, no. in this football game. And uh, again, that was kind of a group effort as well that led them down that path. But, uh, you know, there's been some of the discourse following the game of, oh, well, the, the Eagles should have run the ball. They should have run the ball. They should have run the ball. You know, they they tried running the ball at certain points of this game and just could not get things going. I think the long was a nine yarder, I believe, from from DeAndre Swift uh, yeah. on a zone run to the left. But outside of that, uh, they just could not get rolling there on that side. There were a, couple, a handful of negative plays. Uh, there was one in the goal line where Swift went for, I believe it was like minus six. Uh, Scott had like a minus seven. Uh, you know, th- those negative runs, I mean, th- those really uh, it's, I mean, there's, they're as bad as a sack uh, in terms of, uh, you know, getting yeah. the drive going that way. Good point. You know, and it was clear, it was interesting um, the approach that Robert Sala, Jeff Ulbricht, the defensive staff took with the Jets. It was evident right from the start that third down was going to be a pressure down. They were bringing the pressure on third down. They were not going to play soft. They were not going to sit back. Um, At times, they spied on Jalen. It wasn't 100%, but there were certainly times they did, and they did it with different people. Um, Obviously, he made the ridiculous throw on that first series where Carter blitzed off the edge outside of the loaded front, and Carter got in clean. By the way, a pressure that worked a couple of times in the game where they blitzed off the edge of the loaded front side, which was always to the field. Um, And uh, this particular play, Jalen made an unbelievable throw, probably one of the better throws we've seen this season, where he has someone hanging on him, and he just threw an absolute strike to Brown. Um, But there was pressure consistently on third down in this game, and that's something the Eagles had to deal with. Yeah, and it wasn't just like from the blitz either, because you know even just with just with that four man rush, they were able to sit yeah. back and play quarters uh, or play cover one and and hold up. Okay, they didn't really change their plan of attack from a coverage standpoint. Being down Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed, Sauce Gardner being no. a late scratch uh, on Saturday, um, you know, and look. Uh, the end of the game was not pretty, right? That that final interception from Jalen Hurts, and he was the first to say, you know, that's a, that's a bad read on his part. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't think after watching it, especially watching it back uh, this morning, I didn't think that Jalen had a bad game. I thought he actually was playing pretty well through the first like three and a half quarters, and then it was really just the, those final couple drives uh, where things kind of uh, went off the rails a bit. I would agree with that. You know, it's funny. You watch a game and you automatically assume because they scored 14 points that the quarterback had a bad game. I did not think that was the case at all. Um you know, I, I didn't think Jalen played badly. Um, you know, obviously the fourth quarter, there were some misses. Uh, only he could tell you what he saw. I mean, I have a theory as to what happened on that final interception. Okay. Um, they they slid the line to the left because earlier in the game, the Jets had shown that exact same pressure with both linebackers and the safety Adams. And I, my guess is, again, I'm just guessing. Okay, but again, you know, you watch tape and sometimes you see things. You might have seen it the exact same way. Uh, and 
so they saw Williams, Mosley, and Adams in the same position, essentially, they were on a previous pressure in the game. And maybe they felt that's where the pressure was going to come from. And I think they slid the line that way. And who knows? Again, I'm not in Jalen's head, but maybe he just believed that Adams was not going to be a coverage player. Because the one thing we know is we do not see Jalen Hurts make those kinds of throws. You no. know, look, the, the other interceptions, you know, those were fluky. Um, you know, but he does not make those kinds of throws. Um, uh, so you know, I, I'm just wondering if that's what happened, Fran. I don't know if you have a thought on that, but that's what struck me when I watched that play, that they had seen the exact same pressure, and so they slid the line left. The pressure came from the other side, and I think he just hurried himself because he didn't expect – you know, he knew he had to hurry himself because he knew he had the back on the defensive end because of the, of the way the line was going to slide based on, on the, the protection call, and he knew that as good a blocker as Gainwell is, he's still on a defensive end, and that's not the matchup you're looking for. So I think he knew he had to increase his tempo, and I think he hurried himself and he just never picked up Adams. There's a uh, apparently Tony Adams after the game was asked about the interception uh, and Nick Sirianni was asked about it today. It's the only reason I know about it. Uh, so apparently Adams talked about it and said that the coaches told him to pretend like he was going to blitz and, and then fall out. Uh, and so to your point, so they, they showed that Again, pressure. Look, I'm just going by the tape. So it's possible, you know, my that I'm correct on that. But that's what I thought. That's the first thing I thought of when I saw uh, the play. I thought, oh, OK, I saw that blitz, you know, maybe two quarters earlier whenever it was. And, you know, maybe that's why the Eagles did what they did with protection. And Jalen knew Gainwell the end. Got to, got to increase my tempo. And I just don't think he ever picked up Adams. Because like I said, you just don't see Jalen Hurts throw that kind of ball. No, uh, you know, and, and to to the point that we you know started the conversation with that, uh, you know, early on in this game, I mean, Jalen was was playing very well. He was very good against the blitz. He had those completions on third down early. Yep. Uh, the red zone, the red zone execution was outstanding. I, I loved the concept uh, to attack that that, uh, the, that that coverage down in the red zone on the the touchdown pass to DeAndre Swift. It was a great it. way to to stress those guys, uh, you know, in that area of the field. Can't believe you said that because I called my guys in when I watched it and said this is a film piece at some point for us. I thought it was a beautifully designed three-man boundary concept. It created the one-on-one for Swift on Williams. I mean, I love the Browns in motion, the Goddard vertical stem. Those those were critical elements that helped result, you know, in what essentially became a pitch and catch throw. But it was all um all done by the whole concept of, of the of the three-man routes. And I just thought that was really sweet. Almost, you know, almost a different play, but similar to a week ago when he hit Goddard. And that yep. was also a sweet three-man concept. Yeah, the uh, the All-22 review that I'm posting uh, on the Eagles YouTube page uh, later this week, I actually made that comparison to the Goddard play from last week because uh, obviously that, him working vertically into the uh, into the back of the end zone uh, was a big part of putting stress on that zone coverage yeah. concept. Um, and it's the, now it's three straight weeks where the, where the Eagles have started the game with a touchdown drive. That's a couple, street, couple weeks in a row where we're seeing good execution down in the red zone. They were two of three from a touchdown standpoint down inside the 20-yard line. Really, the issue in this game, I mean, because that touchdown, that was that was those were the final points of the entire game. Uh, it came in, 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 in the second quarter. Obviously, you have the all these turnovers, but uh, as you mentioned, just this kind of fluky, right? I mean, there was an outstanding play by Jermaine Johnson on the on the screen pass oh. to uh, to Dallas Goddard. Uh, you know that that creates the pick by Quinn and Williams. Uh, you have the DeAndre Swift fumble. You have Jalen Hurts getting his arm hit uh, on the the uh, the interception that happened down on the right flat. That looked like it was getting ready to go to a big game to to Devante. So it was just you know just kind of a weird game where the things did not bounce their way offensively actually it's funny you say that because that may have been the play as i'm thinking back 
the, the Quinn and Williams interception, which resulted from Johnson, that may have been the play. And it wasn't Adams. It was Whitehead where they blitzed both linebackers and safety Whitehead mm. coming through the boundary through the A, B and C gaps. Um, and the Eagles had the tight end screen called and Hertz hit Goddard. But Johnson from the loaded front side, which was opposite the screen. I mean, the way he he popped, you know, he he ran out. I mean, that was first of all, that kid plays incredibly hard. But yep. that was just a big time play by Jermaine Johnson. Yeah, I thought that was he was probably one of the best uh, two or three players uh, on the field for them in this game. Uh, Jermaine Johnson was playing Without all over question. the place. Quincy Williams uh, playing all over the place. Uh, he, he, I thought he, I thought he was outstanding uh, from you know blitzing coverage, run game. Uh, he he was making plays sideline to sideline. Uh, timely penalties or untimely penalties uh, also yeah, really haunted the Eagles in this game. Um, you know, you had the one that wiped away a 15 yarder just as they crossed midfield. Then you get a sack a play a couple plays later. Like that's the thing. It was just one of those games. Typically, when you have games like this you and i've had these conversations in the past it's been a while but when you've had these conversations uh typically it is like man like all right on this drive here's what happened it's it's this that and the other you go it's abc on this drive and then on the next drive it's xyz and then you right. just gotta go back and uh you know correct as many and, of these and, errors as you can before next week and you know you just hope that you can you know kind of make it through those kinds of games and pull out with a win and in this case they couldn't but yeah. it was uh you know, and again, like I said, I don't think it's a major concern that their old line in this particular case did not have one of their better games. They played a great defensive front. Um, we'll see what happens going forward. But I, you know, you'd be hard pressed to sit here and say the old line is a weakness of this team. I imagine that uh, the, there'll be some tough studying this week at Stoutland University, and uh, uh, I imagine they'll be back to playing a pretty solid football uh, this coming week. All right, well, let's go over to the other side because there, there were some really good things from this Eagles defense again, Greg. You know, you and I talked about Josh Sweat a week I'll ago. I'll tell you I what thought I he, thought. Can I tell you what outstanding. I thought? What do we got? I thought the best player on the Eagles defense, and I was thrilled to see it, was Jordan Davis. Yeah, Jordan Davis had a really strong game. I agree. Played 44 snaps. That's exactly what they want. Um, did not really come off the field a whole lot. Um, and I thought he was dynamic i thought he controlled his gap in the run game he played off blocks to make tackles um he had some strong inside pass rushes you even start to see his athleticism a little bit as a pass rusher yeah you saw him redirect um i thought jordan davis played really really good football in this game i, I mean, thought this this was his best game i felt like since week two against minnesota the, the, that uh primetime game yeah i thought this was even better because he played yeah. more and this yep. is what they want. That's a good point. This is why he was drafted. He wasn't drafted to play 22 snaps. He was drafted to play 44 snaps, as he did in this game. And there was no drop-off in his play. I mm. thought he played an outstanding game. Yeah, uh, Davis was certainly a guy that I took a lot of notes on. Uh, Josh Sweat, Milton Williams, yep. I thought really flashed in this game, both run game and pass game. Uh, Reddick obviously had two and a half sacks yep. two, two weeks in a row where he's had multiple sacks. So uh, the, this defensive line continuing to round into form. And we're starting to see like uh, the identity of this defense, which – is interesting considering it's like the this it's been six different secondary combo combinations in six games and it's going to be a seventh it seems like uh next week um but despite all of the turnover on a week to week to week basis on the back end it feels like you're starting to get the identity of this defense from a like conceptual standpoint uh and that's also fun to see as well who do you think was the coach that at 11 o'clock at night when they're all done with the day before everybody <laughs> went home said hey let's start the game in a 6-1 front 
Yeah, that was so. Let's talk through that a little bit. Um, you know, and you talked last week. You said, "Look, they more than any any other game this season, uh, the Eagles are playing an opponent that will need to be able to run the ball." And I think the Eagles' defense knew that coming in, right? They said, "Look, they're going to want to try and run the ball." They came out in a base defense look with only four DBs on the field, but with four defensive tackles, two defensive ends, and uh, one solo linebacker, Nicholas Morrow. Uh, a really interesting look that uh, was was effective and they for only early did in this it, game. You know, they only did it at the beginning. You know, they didn't come back to it, which was interesting. That's why I said, you know, hey, somebody said, hey, let's do this, um, which, you know, was actually a good idea against this this uh, team, because in a six one front, you're gapped out with your front seven and then your safeties add in as free hitters. And it worked out perfectly. There was a play um, where uh, they hit up all gaps and then the safeties, uh, you know, uh, Edmonds added in as a free hitter uh, for all uh, with no gain with help from uh, Jordan Davis. You know, it worked out exactly the way they wanted and I kept expecting to see it again, and it, they never did it again after maybe, what, two, three, four times on the first series, I think it was, and then we never saw it again. Yeah, I think what happened was we started to see uh, the Jets go into a lot of their base personnel offensively and try and get the Eagles to get into base, and then they were throwing out of it. Uh, yeah. So I think the Eagles are, all right, we're not going to go too, too heavy this yeah. direction. They, and they, you know, you started to see more of those penny looks where it was those 5 1 5 packages yeah, as the game went on. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it felt like that might have been just the adjustment. It was like, all right, let's not get too crazy uh, with how we're trying to match up to some of these looks. But it was an interesting concept because. You know, obviously, take away the Jets' run game, make the play caller have to call passes. Essentially, that's what you're trying to do. You know, it's easy to say make Wilson beat you, but it's make the play caller have to call passes because you're gapped out. There's no free gaps in in the run game, so you're gapped out. So, you know, you're, in a sense, making the play caller have to call passes. Yeah, and, and essentially, when you say gapped out, uh, just for our listeners, essentially that's you know you're creating one on ones, and you're going to have the extra hat at the end of the day. So there, yeah, there's, there's just no, no there, there's you don't no have room open, to work. There's no open gaps. Yes, you, you know you've covered every single gap, and then it allows your safeties to basically be free hitters because all the gaps are taken up, so they can just add in wherever they need to add in. Yeah, you're you're, you're going to plug it where it leaks if you are Terrell right. Edmonds or, or Reed Blankenship right. uh, early in that game. Um, let, let's go through some of the other takeaways here uh, because again, the, I think this Eagles defense they did an outstanding job considering everything and considering the fact. That, look, at the end of the day, the Eagles turned the ball over. They were plus four or minus four in the turnover differential in this game and still were in position to win it with a couple minutes left in the game, right? And I think that that right. speaks to the the way that this defense played uh, in this football game. Yes, they did not create a turnover, uh, but they had five sacks. They were a- excellent in the red zone. They were outstanding on third down. What were the Jets? Like two of 11 on third down in this yeah. football game. So uh, yeah. I thought I thought the defense overall, especially considering the the, the secondary and what it looked like by the, the, you know, midway through the second or the second half, uh, just really outstanding performance. Yeah, the main thing was that the um, uh, Jets did not turn the ball over. I mean, you know, and and, um, I thought Wilson made a couple of throws that were important. Um, You know, clearly Wilson is not quite ready yet um, to go through, you know, progression reads. But um, he played smart football. He took checkdowns when they were there. Um, He did make a really good read on third and seven later in the third quarter when the Eagles sort of dropped down when Wilson was number three to trips. And they bracketed him, you yep. know, with the backside safety. And he went yeah. to Lazard, which was the he right. Hit the that was the that was their first third down conversion of the day. Yeah, but that you know it seemed simple, but it was the right read with precise yep. execution. But the key was that he didn't turn it over. That was the thing. You know, they didn't really need Wilson. You know, given the way their defense played, you know, you don't know that going in. But the way the game played out, as long as the Jets did not turn the ball over, they were going to stay close, and that's what happened. Yeah. 
Um, let's quickly just talk about from a, from a usage standpoint what we saw uh, in this game. Obviously, no Darius Slay. So Josh Joe got the start at left corner. Now, it was notable that both uh, he and Eli Ricks rotated series. Uh, the first four series yeah. of this game, it was Job, then it was Ricks, then it was Job, then it was Ricks, and then Ricks got hurt. And after that injury, then obviously it became just it Josh was Job. Job. The rest of the game. Uh, it was it was Job the rest of the day. Um, you know, you had Roby who was who got the start at nickel, uh, but then he got banged up. So then Mario Goodrich went in into the slot, uh, and then you look at the safety spot. Reed Blankenship leaves, uh, I believe, it was a, a rib injury uh, when he left, and Makai Garner comes in, the former corner at LSU. He spent the, the his first three years at the Univer- University of Louisiana. Uh, didn't really, he dabbled at safety like by formation a couple times, Greg, but did not play safety over the course of his career. Uh, Nick Sirianni said that he was working in at safety in practice uh, these last couple of weeks, but uh, he comes in and you did decent. Uh, there was only like one or two plays where I was like, oh, like, you know, a more experienced player uh, probably, you know, puts them in a better spot. But overall, Makai Garner, I thought, uh, showed up well uh, on the back end of this game. But uh, clearly, uh, the Eagles need to get healthy. Uh, they're, they, yeah. the, the depth is wearing dangerously thin on the back end. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if they bring people in this week. Um, but yeah, they, they are, you know, because it all depends on Blankenship, what his situation is. Um, we just don't know at this point. Um Evans is on IR, so he has to yep. miss three more games. Three more. Yep. Um, you know, so you hope Sidney you know, Brown I, is close. Right, right. And we he, don't he know. He's questionable coming into the game. Um, and obviously Edmonds, they do not want to be a starter, but he's forced to be a starter right now. Yeah. Uh, there was early reports are uh, the x-rays came back negative. I think that was according to, I want to make sure I give the, uh, the correct reporting here. Uh, the, ba, 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 as I pull up uh, the report I saw on Twitter, Jeremy Fowler uh, from ESPN saying that the x-ray on Eagle safety, Reed Blankenship's injury came back negative. So uh, team will be cautious, but good sign so far. Now that's according to right. Jeremy Fowler uh, from ESPN. And so he's usually uh, right on the money, Jeremy. Yeah, so uh, that's just something to watch here with the Eagles moving forward in the secondary. If Blankenship's able to go and you get Sidney Brown back into the fold, now everybody kind of slides down the pecking order a little bit. That's certainly a good sign going into uh, this game against Miami, which we are going to hit on in a couple minutes. But really quickly, um, one other package that I'm, we're starting to see more and more of. Uh, we only saw it like once or twice in this game, Greg, just because of the nature uh, of the way that they wanted to play the Jets. This was not a uh, a, a high-volume blitz game. This was not a high-volume stunt game from the Eagles. No. They just said, hey, we're going to line up uh, with our four and go. Um, but what we're seeing in some certain spots, we saw it on a, on a sack but between Jordan Davis and Brandon Graham, these uh, these sub fronts with five pass rushers, yeah. essentially, uh, Graham, down on the Graham line of scrimmage. Zero technique. Yeah, with Graham, yeah, with B, BG over the center and then yeah, running either yeah. some kind of a some combination of stunts. That's been a useful tool for them over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, well, they had that sack, yeah, where they um, Graham was one of the penetrators with a long stunt where Reddick went behind um I forget who the other tackle was, but he went behind the other tackle and Graham in, in, uh, is that what you call a pirate stunt? I would call that a pirate stunt. Yeah. The three man game where you've got two pinners and you got the looper coming around. Yeah. Yeah. So I just call it a long stunt, but, uh, yeah, that, that, uh, Graham was in on the sack as a penetrator, um, or a pinner to use your term. And then, uh, Jordan Davis just drove back the left guard Tom Watson right into the pocket. Yeah, no, it's uh, and the, we've seen that over the last few weeks. Uh, the Eagles have d- dipped into that. It's been all kinds of different combinations. We've seen Jalen Carter and Nolan Smith in there. We've yeah. seen uh, all these guys kind of used in. It's a, uh, it's, it's a good front, certainly uh, in those kind of third and long situations. 
Now that said, let's get into uh, let's get into Sunday night, huh? Uh, there's going to be a lot of energy around this game from a from an external standpoint. Just because it's Kelly little, Green, they're playing a little different offense, Fran, than we saw uh, this this past week. I would say so. Uh, yeah, the the the, yeah, the offense bit. the offense for the Dolphins uh, is operating at a legendary rate right now from an from an efficiency standpoint, from an explosive standpoint, run game, pass game. They are not only like top of the league, but so far out in front in a number of these categories. Uh, it's be, it'd be silly to even like go through them all. But right. This is a, this is a team that is operating on all cylinders right now. Uh, what if you had to pick like one thing to start the conversation off with? Uh, where does the conversation start with the Dolphins offense? Coverage. Mm. Hard to get there. Yeah. Everything is so quick rhythm. Um, I'm not saying you never get pressure or they'll never they won't be a sack. I mean, I'm not saying that at all. So I don't want people to think I'm saying that, you know, none of that will happen. But I think you have to deal with the coverage part really importantly. Because yeah. I mean, they, they are right now, they are number one in pressure rate. This is offensively. So they're, they're, Tua is not getting pressured. He's not getting hit. He's not no. getting sacked. He's not getting hurried. Like all the metrics you go through, they are like in the top one, two, three, and pretty, pretty much all yeah. of them because the ball's coming out so fast. Because the ball gets out so quick, Fran. I mean, it's yeah. hard to pressure. Um, you know, and, and no one would say if you looked at their individuals on the O-line that, wow, that's one of the top three offensive lines in the league. Yeah. But because of the way they play and the fact that they use so much motion which creates free access and they're so multiple with their formation looks um and and by the way they do a ton of this out of 21 personnel so now that raises another question how do you play them because they they also have a really good run game you know one could argue and again i'm being simplistic but one could argue that this is an offense that attacks the edges with the run game and between the numbers in the pass game and i know i'm i'm simplifying but yeah. that's kind no, that's of the point. way that's kind of the way they play. Um, so their run game is not something just oh oh they throw it really well. They run the ball really well too, and they outflank you a lot. And they've got even with a chan out, Mostert can really run. Um, you know they've got great speed. Uh, so you know it's it's you have to figure out a way to take away what they do in the pass game. And to me. It doesn't start with pressure, which is the normal way everybody says, you know, in a normal pass game. But it starts with how do you take away where they like to throw the ball? Yeah, it's it seems you know simplistic to say it, but the big thing with this with this offense right now is getting Tua off that first read. And I think when you yeah. look at him late in the down, that's where things really go downhill in comparison to other quarterbacks in those situations, right? Correct. And that's really kind of like the the weak spot of this offense. And it's easier said than done because they do such a great job uh, of being able to like you know, but essentially like push the easy button, right. And say like, Hey, we're going to, yeah. we're going to build the whole plane out of, uh, out of the black box. This is what, this is what they do. I mean, they're at like an 85% clip from a motion standpoint. It's a ton of play action. Uh, it's a, the, the ball just comes out so fast and it's, you know what it's it like out so it's, fast. It's the, it's the conversation we had. It was the 2021 playoffs when the Eagles were getting ready to go down to Tampa to take on Tom Brady and the Bucks, And the ball was coming out at a faster rate than anybody, but it was also going further downfield than anybody because it's not just oh yeah like slant screen slant screen no, like, no, no. Like he's, he's attacking vertically and on their intermediate area with these huge chunk gains and the other thing to keep in mind because of all the motion um and they give you so much eye candy it shrinks your menu a little bit you can't get to all your calls so you know you have to be careful about 
how you want to deal with the motion. You have to have a plan, but you you know you can't ask five guys to have to make adjustments in response to motion. You know, so it does shrink your menu. Um, you know, when all said and done, you know, you nailed it. You've got to take away the first window, and then your four man pass rush must become a factor. Right. Um, yep. So it's really about the. That's why I said it's the coverage part first then the pass rush becomes a factor. It's not the pass rush first because you're not going to get there first. Yep. So if you if that first window is available, it's you know, he's going to throw it. And and boy, do they use motion. I mean, you mentioned it what the the motion rate is. It's the highest in the NFL. There's probably 6, 7, 8 different kinds of motion. It's all geared to free access. I mean, you know, when when Tyree Kill or Jalen Waddle is sprinting off the line of scrimmage, I mean, that is a tough, tough deal. And, you know, we talked about it a couple weeks ago with the L.A. Rams and the Rams were the Rams currently are number two in motion and first in bunch. The Dolphins are number one in motion and number two in bunch. Uh, so there's a lot of the same qual- the same conversations that we had going into that matchup where we said, hey, you know what? Like they do these motions where they put a guy, uh, you know, let's say he starts on the left and then Tyree Kill. It's a three by one set to start. But then he comes in motion. Now it becomes two by two. All of your rules change. But now instead of it being. Puka Nakua coming in motion, uh, who, you know, is a 4-6 guy. You've got 4-2 speed, whether it's Waddle or Tyree Hill coming in motion and hitting the the uh the secondary with free access at full speed. It's it's a lot to handle, both mentally and physically. And, and I, that's the that's the tough part about it with all the the new faces in the secondary for the Eagles. And a back who's a 4-2-5 guy or a 4-3 yeah. guy. Mostert, yep. And, and the issue for the for the Eagles is because of the safety position. Even if Blankenship can play, and we don't know that as you and I speak now, but even if he can play, these guys don't have a lot of experience together. So, you know, you can't do a lot of safety rotation because, you know, you talk about, let's see, a team like the Bills that have faced the Dolphins. You know, when they're playing with Poyer and Hyde or or even with one of those guys, you're dealing with veterans. I mean, when, when the Bills beat them a few weeks ago, I think Poyer didn't play, but Hyde's a veteran. But when you know when you play with teams like that mm-hmm. that have veteran safeties, you can create a little doubt with your safety rotation. You got to be a little careful with that when you don't have safeties that are you know not used to playing together. And then uh, you mentioned the run game as well, uh, and that's where like the shell game continues. I mean, it's like if you you go to Lincoln Financial Field and they up on the uh, up on the big boards, they do the thing with the three helmets and all the the ice cream cone is underneath helmet one, and then they shift everything around. Uh, now where is it? That's where the that's what it's like, you know, watching this run game, all the different motions uh, yeah. and uh, the the misdirection elements, the offensive line pulling one way, the ball's going back the other, uh, you know, the fake lead pullers, like there's all kinds of things oh. that they work in, and it just again, it just it's all with making. Uh, uh, creating as much space as possible for their playmakers. Yeah, and they count on the fact that you're going to have to simplify everything you do, as I said, that you do have to shrink your menu. So they kind of feel like they know what they're getting. Yeah. And, you know, and it's just, no, they're, they're, uh, I mean, it may not be fun for the for Eagles fans this week, but it's a very fun offense to watch. Let's go to the other side. Uh, the Vic Fangio defense uh, being led here down by the do- with the Dolphins. Uh, they've had a little bit of they've had some injuries as well. Um, yeah. But uh, this is a team that is starting to get healthy, and, and they can get after you uh, just as well as uh, as the Eagles can. It's a it's a different looking front. Uh, but what do you, when you look? What, let me ask you this question. Actually, when you think of a Vic Fangio defense, because I think a lot of our listeners would say, "All right, he's one of the most well respected uh, defensive minds in the NFL." Uh, when you think of Vic Fangio, yeah. what is it that you think of from like the uh, the identity of this defense? Well, I think that has changed, but I think most people immediately think that everything starts with a quarter structure, you know, four across structure, which 
is true to some extent, but not. I, I don't think it's as true as everybody thinks it is as he's evolved over time. Would you say that's a fair statement? I think that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you have to keep in mind that, you know, they'll do that, certainly. Um, he does start at times with a quarter structure, but he changes coverage at the snap. You will see a lot of what we call cover six, which is halves to the boundary and quarters to the field. You'll see a lot of cover eight, which is halves to the field and quarters to the boundary. But on third down, their higher tendency has been single high. They play cover one and cover three. And yep. Holland is almost always the post safety with Elliott, you know, down uh, – you know, uh, as the tight end matchup, or if it's zone, he's he's you know a hook defender. Um, uh, but they've had a good mix this year of man and zone. Um, so it's not just oh they play quarters and that's it. You know, yep. I think Vic Fangio has kind of expanded his repertoire. Um, and they do a lot more. Uh, so you know, they're they're not an easy defense to play against. Um, they do a lot of sim pressures, meaning four they rush four, and one of the four is either a DB or a linebacker. Um, you know, and and they're good up front. I mean, they can hurt you with pass rush with individual players. Yeah, uh, they've got guys up front between Jalen Phillips and Bradley Chubb off the off the edge. The two former first round picks. Yeah, another former first round pick, Christian Wilkins. He had two or three sacks this He's past week player. against Carolina. That guy's uh, a good player. Yeah, uh, all these guys. Are, you know, Zach Seiler, a nice player uh, for yeah. them up front as well. And speedy um, linebacker Baker and and Long can both run a little bit. I yep. mean. So, you know, I don't think they're quite Williams and Mosley, but they do have very good speed. No, Baker's got speed. Uh, Long is, he's a menace downhill. And yep. Van, Van Ginkle, uh, number 43, he has been a really active player for them in the run-in pass game, too. Yeah. He plays both on the edge and as a stack backer, depending on, how, you know, what their front is. Um, well, he played more <laughs> off-ball, more more stacked uh, in this game than I'd seen him in, in previous weeks. Yeah. I think it's because those edge guys are starting to get healthier. Probably because Phillips was back this week. Yeah. That's the reason. Yep. Yeah. Um, but but as you mentioned, Phillips and Chubb can both win one-on-one win one -on -one matchups, which brings us back to the point about how the Eagles will handle that with Jack Driscoll. Assuming it's Jack Driscoll, we have no idea. We, You and I both know Lane Johnson is just a man, and he could be out there this week. But if he's not, we'll see how the Eagles handle it because Phillips will work against Driscoll. Uh, real quickly, just because you mentioned a couple of those guys in that secondary, uh, Javon Holland really stands out. Uh, this is a guy I think is yeah. going to be one of the best safeties in football when it's all said and done. Uh, rangy playmaker. You mentioned how often he's playing in the post. And then Zayvon Howard, he's been one of the best corners in football for a yeah. long time as well. Yeah, and they're playing Eli Apple now on the other side. Um, you know, Howard's playing left corner, uh, uh, I believe, and, and Apple right corner. Am I yes, right about I believe that? so, yep. yeah. And Kohu's in the slot where he's, although Kohu in their base played outside and Apple was not in the game this week. So um, we'll see. I don't think Kohu's real good outside. I think he's actually pretty good in the slot, but he's not an outside corner. Um, so we'll see. Um, and then they bring in Nickerson, who, um, as I recall, he's the Tulane kid. Is he not, Perry Nickerson? Correct. Yeah, he had a, he had yeah. a ton of production in college. Uh, yeah. He's an under, undersized corner, but really fast, athletic. Uh, yeah. But he, yeah but, he, but he had a ton of production in college. Yeah, so, I mean, there. this is... This is a pretty good defense. And now that Phillips is back healthy, um, you know, they they can cause some problems just with the quality of their players. Yeah. Well, it's uh, it's going to be a big test, Greg. Uh, and obviously there's also the element that, you know, Vic Fangio being in the building last year. Uh, yeah. So people are people here are familiar with him. He's familiar with people here. Uh, so that will make an interesting layer to this uh, to this game as well on Sunday. It'll be a fun one to break down. Uh, this is certainly a dangerous team. Obviously, This is, this is one of the most. Uh, you know, up to this point in the season, you know, obviously everybody was excited a number of weeks ago when the Bills and the Dolphins played. Um, but this one up to this point in the season could be one of the most, if not the most intriguing matchup we've seen so far. So I'm pretty excited about it.
No doubt. Well, it'll be a fun one uh, to break down. Greg, thanks so much for joining us here once again on Chalk Talk on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. We'll talk to you again next week. Thanks, Fran. All right, great stuff there from Greg, who you can follow on Twitter, just like I do, at Greg Cosell. And while you're at it, I'm at EaglesXOs. That's where I post all the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's Nose content that we produce here with Eagles Entertainment. You know how much I appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on all forms of social media. That is one way to support the show. But the best way is to go to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or wherever you listen. Leave us a rating. Leave us a comment. If you've got a question, we will answer it here. I wanted to give a shout-out to someone who left us one of those comments, a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts from JJSki83, who said how much they just love our Chalk Talk segments with Greg. The excitement felt by both of us is palpable when listening to the matchups uh, and just enjoy the back and forth. So, uh, John, thanks so much for the five-star review. Thank you for the, the review over on Apple Podcasts. And again, for anybody out there, if you've got a question about this Eagles team, if you've got a question about the roster, about the schedule, whatever it is, an upcoming opponent, leave it there in the pod in that uh, comment section on Apple Podcasts. And we will answer it here on an upcoming episode. Great hearing from John. Thanks to him and thanks to all of you out there for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our content here with Eagles Entertainment. That being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. For everybody here at the Novacare Complex, I am Fran Duffy. We will talk to you later this week.